Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's all streaming now on Hulu. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you about our brand new Fox Sports app and website, foxsports.com. Reimagine for the modern sports fan. Go ahead, download the new app right now. You don't even have to pause this episode. Every day on the new app and website, you'll see the top stories in sports, plus a rich world of written content, videos, social media, and analytics to give you a 360-degree view of the most important stories of the day. Streaming live TV has never been so easy or elegant. Every Fox Sports game, including all pregame and postgame shows, are just one click away. For the extra invested fan, we also go deep with real-time wagering lines, trending prop bets, win probability, and key player projections. Download the new Fox Sports app or visit www.foxsports.com now. Let's start the show. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host and the proprietor of Club Shay Shay, Shannon Sharp. And the guy that's coming by to have a drink and talk today really needs no introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway. He's actor, producer, author, 30 years in the movie game. Some people know him as Ricky. I know him as Mo. Morris Chestnut. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Mo, what's going on, bro? Man, man, 30 years. See, I got in it when I was two, so I'm 32 right now. So, yeah, it's, I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old. <laughs> but, you, hey, but you're still in the game, though. I'm still in the game, man. It's been a blessing. It's definitely been a blessing. So how have you been? What's been going on? What's, what have you been up to the last couple of months? I know the pandemic. Oh, yeah. oh, it's great. I'm going to run down a whole bunch of stuff. So, okay. um, well, one, I uh, just had a movie. I produced a movie that came out on streaming uh, two weeks ago called Spell. It was with okay. Martin Hardwick and uh, Loretta Devine. And that was a okay. project I was really excited about. Right now, I'm uh, I'm in Atlanta uh, doing the second season of The Resident. I, I only came on for, for one season, but because of the pandemic, you know, things got a little messed up. And so I came back to wrap up the character. And um, so that, that's been fun. And I have one of most, uh, the projects that I'm most excited about, I have this, uh, this podcast coming out called uh, Jesus versus Big Joe. Okay. And uh, it's about a, it's about a, a, a high school football player who was, you know, he was one of the best linemen in the, in the country, recruited by Bobby Bowden, Lou Holtz, everything. He got caught up, went to went to USC, got caught up in some medical stuff, had 18 surgeries and amputation. 
Um, it's a faith-based project, and uh, he, um, it's about how he overcomes all that adversity uh, to find God. So I'm, really, I'm excited about that one as well. Back to what you're working on, the, uh, the, uh, the movie that you produced. Uh, it's called yes. Spell, starring yes. Omar Hed Hedwig, uh, Hardwick, Loretta Devine. Yeah. What, what made you go in this genre? So what happened was, so the producer, I'd worked with the producer, Gordon Gray, uh, before on another project. Uh, okay. And he asked me, he called me to the office, hey, can you read this script? And he wanted me to do this movie. So when I read this script, uh, the script that he had, it kind of really wasn't what I wanted to do. Okay. And so, um, and so I called my manager and said, listen, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm going to do it. He says, well, let's talk to Gordon about this. So we pitched him another concept of a movie and uh, it was this one. It was, it was Spell. Um, so we, we pitched him the concept. He was into it. We found the writers, wrote the script. Uh, the writers wrote the script. And uh, uh, Kurt Wimmer, who's a, who's a great writer, um, okay. wrote the script. And I had some, you know, I had some, uh, you know, everything in the movie wasn't as I wanted it to be, but right. uh, that's, that's movie making. So, so you went from possibly starring in the movie I to did. help writing and co-producing the movie. Right. So it was, so when the producer gave me the script, it was okay. for something completely different. Right. Um, and it's not, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. So my okay. writer, my, my manager was like, my Brian, Brian, my manager, Brian Wilkins, he was like, listen, let's pitch him, you know, this concept and we, that he and, that Brian and I had already previously discussed. Oh, so you had already been working on this. Yeah. So my manager and I, we talk about concepts all the time. For, okay. For okay. Shows, for movies, for podcasts. Right. Matter of fact, you're going to be in the call for me soon because I have a concept for a sitcom with you in mind. But, oh, okay. That's what I'm talking about. You know what? I always did want to do a sitcom. I always wanted to be be on TV full time and have a sitcom. Hey, man. Hey, don't just talk about it. I'm telling you. I mean, you saying that now on the camera on Club Shay Shay, you'll get that call from the network. Hey, Shannon, you're available. So, hey, watch out now. Oh, I'll definitely be, I'll definitely be available. I'll make myself available. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll talk to you about that because uh, I have a couple of concepts in, in one and I'll talk to you about it. But uh, but yeah, so my manager and I, so my manager was, um, you know, we were talking about this concept and we pitched it to Gordon. Gordon liked it. Uh, so that's when we got, it was nothing. It was nothing, just a concept between my manager and I. Right. And um, we got the writer and Kurt Wimmer, who's an incredible writer. I mean, he, he got the, you know, we met with a few writers. Kurt came in, he immediately got the story and he turned the script around really quick. And, uh, and it went into production. And matter of fact, when I, I was on this show when it started going to production, but initially I was attending the starring. So let me ask you, so it's because of, uh, I noticed a lot of people are doing streaming, a lot of people are doing like Netflix, not the right. not the uh, other big budget. Is that because of COVID? If you've had to find a different way to still do your craft? It's, I can't say it's just because of COVID. Okay. Um, you know, even the movies that are released now, is it, normally if they're like, the big Marvel blockbusters, you know, it's right. very rare that the that the that the that the low budget independent can find an audience. And right. so the great thing about streaming, you know, with the Netflix and Amazons is, you know, you get global exposure and you get a platform. So right. you know, whatever you produce, you know, it gives people opportunity to see what you do. Right. And then, you know, back in the day, I know people who've made independent movies for 50, 60 million dollars. And they're sitting on a shelf somewhere, and nobody saw it. this. Would be before streaming, even streaming, even you know, right. you know, took over the game. Right. So, do you think streaming is is like how do I say this? Is this what we're going to see more and more of until we come out of this pandemic? 
I think until we come out of the pandemic, yes. However, you know, like I say, I have a couple other movies that uh, that I'm, I'm I'm actively producing, and I really want them to go to the theater because to me, there's nothing like you know, I have a comedy That's the experience. Experience. Like the experience. You know, everybody's there sharing the same thing, and you know, yeah. the laughter, the feeling. Yes. The there's nothing like that experience. So I can't wait. I can't wait for it to come back. The smell of the popcorn, the, you know, the, the, the people talking in the background, you know, it's like, yeah. and, and for me, I mean, I, I, I'm a movie guy, but I just find myself, if I'm watching a movie at home, I'm like, I wonder where this is on television. Where if I'm at the movie, I, I, can't, I can't just flip that. I can't just get up and I'm going to stay. Very, it's a very captive audience. That's why, you know, for a long time, you know, when you have, when you have people as quote unquote movie stars, because you go into this, you go into this, this, this theater, it's blacked out and you're just so captivated on that screen for right. you know, two and a half hours. That's why it's, you know, as an artist, sometimes, you know, we're very responsible about, about you know, the messages that we send because right. people are really absorbing, absorbing those messages. So, you also doing the residence. You say you were only going to do one season, but you came back because of the pandemic. You came back, fulfilled right. an obligation. So are you done after this season or are you going to have a reoccurring role? Well, so, um, you know, things are always fluid. I mean, you never know what's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, I love, listen, I love the cast. I love the producers. I love the environment, you know, here. Um, Tell the people about your character. Tell the people, you're a neurosurgeon. Yes, I play a neurosurgeon, and what attracted me to this character is so I play a neurosurgeon that's based off of a real-life person, or I say a couple of people. Please and don't say it's Ben Carson. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not Ben Carson. But, uh, oh, no, nah, I wasn't going to say something I was going to say. Um, no, so it's based off a character, and so the one thing I really want, the re one of the reasons why I really wanted to play this character, because it's completely different than anything I've, I've played before. Right. And this character... Out of probably everything that I've done, the, the the response when I'm in public is most passionate about this character. Really? In a negative way. Oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. Because I play I play a doctor right. who is uh, a neurosurgeon who is basically he's more concerned about the bottom line of the hospital instead right. of the health of the patient. So right. If you come in. And I see that you you don't need this evasive surgery, uh, invasive surgery, but it's good for the bottom line of the hospital. I'm going to recommend that you get that. Well, surgery. you sound like a real doctor to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what's the problem? No, no, no. They're just supposed to be with the well-being of the patient. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, but I, I remember you on, on a fall, you did a Fox show called Rosewood. Yes. yes. Where you were a, a forensic guy. Right, 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 right. This so... You you like playing these doctors' roles? <laughs> well, you know one thing I love. One thing I do love about playing doctors because it does they do they convey a certain amount of intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, you know they, they make me sound smarter than I am with all that dialogue. <laughs> I have to rehearse that dialogue all night, but I get it down. Yeah. But yeah. So the one thing about Rosewood, the one thing that really drew me to this character because Ro the Rosewood character was extremely optimistic about every single situation. Right. This character is not so much. So it's playing a doctor in a, in a, in a different light. When you played when you played Rosewood, did you m meet with any forensic guys to understand what they do, how they do it, how they go about their business? Did you meet with anybody to to learn how to better play that role? Yes, yeah, we had a uh, technical advisor on set all the time. 
and um, asking, uh, you know, I was always asking them a ton of questions about it. It's a very, it's a very interesting job. But one of my, I mean, my favorite shows, I, I mean, if I'm not watching sports, I'm either watching for Forensic Files or for Dateline. Yeah. You know, so, so those, so Rosewood was right up my alley in that sense. It was a humor. There was a light, lot of humor to it. But Rosewood was right up in my alley. And being able to talk to that forensic, um, the forensic, right. forensic um, uh, professional, right. it was very, uh, very I, I definitely couldn't do it in real life. I'll yeah. just say that. You were basically a black Quincy. I don't know if you, are you old enough to remember Quincy? Oh, oh come on, man. Of course I'm on that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember Quincy. Yeah. You you mentioned your faith-based your faith podcast, Jesus yeah. and Big Joe. Yeah. And it's based loosely on... Um, a USC former a USC football player. What right. made you decide? What made you decide to go this route? So okay, so I'm always always looking for something because I did a movie with uh, TD Jakes called "Not okay. Broken" about a number of years ago, right? And um, that was one of the projects. It was basically a project about uh, this married couple whose wife got into an accident and their relation, their marriage was being tested right. um, financially, emotionally, sexually. And she had one of her, you know, her mother was in the house with us. So it was about, you know, the, 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 um, their marriage vows being tested, not easily broken. And it is one of the projects, like I say, people come up to me for various projects. That project, people really come up, you know, brothers come up to me all the time. Man, you know what? I was going through some a situation just like that. And I saw that movie. My wife and I watched that movie. And we kept the faith. We kept the faith. So I always knew I wanted to get back to doing something faith-based. Okay. I, I recently, before everything came out, um, not, I guess about two years ago, I saw, uh, I heard the podcast Gladiator. I don't know if you, you it's Aaron Hernandez podcast. Oh, yes. Was, okay. Yeah. Yes. And I didn't know all the information. So I'm listening to this podcast and I'm hearing the story. I said, man, I really enjoyed that podcast. Okay. So I met this, uh, this young, passionate, uh, very, very talented producer named Kyle Hogan. Um, and he, uh, we sat down at lunch and he told me the story of, of Big Joe. And that's why the project is Jesus versus Big Joe. And it was something that I, it was a space that I always wanted to get back into. Okay. And uh, when I heard the passion of Kyle, I met Big Joe and I said, this is it. This is what I want to do. Speaking of USC football players, you play a role in the hood classic. Now it's a Mount Rushmore in the hood. Uh, Northern <laughs> hood Friday. Maybe um, house party. I don't know. I don't know the other guy, but I know those three is going to be on everybody's Mount Rushmore. Uh, when I mentioned Boys in the Hood and, and and Ricky, your first feature role, what's what goes through your mind? Oh man, you know, uh, it's uh, first honestly now. Uh, you know, John Singleton is you know uh, rest his soul. I mean, he gave yep. me an opportunity. Uh, so I, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's sad in that regard, but I always go back to, uh, you know, just when I was just starting out, I was just starting out and I just wanted to, to be involved in a project that, that people would see and people would see me and recognize me for, and he gave me an opportunity. And, you know, the one thing I just love, you know, uh, uh, about being involved in that project, I mean, you know, to this day, Nia, Fishburne, Regina, Cuba, you know, everybody is still, Angela, everybody's still going. And uh, it was a special, special project. Obviously, it's my first, my first big screen, um, first real movie, I, right. actually. Um, and it's, it's something I'm always going to hold dear. How did you land the role? 
Yeah, so uh, I, I, I just got an agent. And actually, it was, it was a little bit of, uh, I got a little bit lucky for the role, of course. Okay. But, but here's where the luck is. So I, uh, when I was coming up as an actor, I, uh, I started, not after I graduated from high school, I started acting. And I was taking uh, acting classes at this junior college in Long Beach, Long Beach City Junior College. And I said, okay, so I was getting some pretty good feedback. So I said, you know what? I want to go to Hollywood and, and, and take an acting class there and see what people think. Now, at that time, uh, Marla Gibbs, who was on uh, the Jeffersons 227. 227. Mm -hmm. 227. She had an acting studio right in Lamert Park. It was right, right in the hood. And so I said, oh, let me, and she, but her acting studio, the people from the Jeffersons and 227, they would come teaching a class. So I said, right. I want to get in front of the people who, um, who, who actually do TV. it. Exactly. And so I, I went there. And so cut to my agent gave me the, the, uh, the information to go to this audition for this movie, Boys in the Hood. I get excited. I go meet the casting director, Jackie Brown, get the call back. Is John Singleton's in the callback. So I'm like, oh man, this cat, he's my age. And I got this young cat. And so that was a little bit easier then. But then after the second meeting, when I met John, uh, my agent calls me like, listen, you have a screen test. And I'm like, oh, so back then, Hollywood screen test, you go down to the studio, they have all the cameras and all the crew and everything just for a screen test. So I'm like, right. Man, this is my first big Hollywood screen test. So I'm getting all excited. I had a pager back then and I was excited and stuff. <laughs> and so I'm trying, I said, okay, so where is it? And I'm thinking he's gonna say Columbia, uh, Warner Brothers, somewhere like that. He says it's at um, uh, Crossroads Academy, Lamert Park. I'm like, Lamert Park, that's an acting school. That's, that's, that's what the screen test is? <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, that's where it is. And so, you know, John wanted to keep everything in South Central, but right. where that played into my favor is because when I had to go for the screen test, I was already in a comfortable environment. I had right. already been to school. I was already comfortable there. And so that played into me getting the part. Did you know it would turn out to be what it is? And here we are 30 years later and people are still talking about that movie. I'm sure that's one of the first thing when people meet you, that's one of the first thing they talk about. Man, I remember you in the boy in the hood, boy, you were great. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's two things. So it's one of the movies that people from, I hear people literally from around the world say they learned English from watching Boys in the Hood. Okay. You know, one movie that they see that. But at the time, I didn't. I was literally on set. I'll never forget. I was absorbing everything. At the time, you know, Cube had an album. You know, Fishburne, he wasn't fish at the time. You know, he had right. worked. Right. And uh, Cuba had been in a few holding deals at some studios, but he hadn't been on a show that last long. So I'm like, so I'm looking around like, okay, you know, it's a movie. I'm a lead in the movie. Nobody knows me. I didn't think the movie was going to do anything. You know, I thought it would be, you know, I thought we were making a good movie, but there's right. no way I thought there was going to be to the magnitude that it, it turned out to be. You mentioned the names, Cuba Gooding Jr., Ice Cube, Lawrence Fishburne, Neil Long, Regina King, Angela Bassett. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, the majority of these are still going strong. Regina, yeah. I think Regina is uh, uh, has a uh, a show on HBO. She has and a show. She has a movie. She directed a movie. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. won an Oscar. Won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have three. So, uh, Cuba was nominated. Fishburne was nominated. I think Angela won, and uh, Regina won. Right. So and you got hey, 
So what's up? I mean, what what's up, bro? I mean, you, yeah, you know what, man? <laughs> it was one of those things, you know, exactly. It was it was one of those things. That I, I was. It, I did go through a point where I was like, man, I got to I got to get I got to get right. When that movie came, when we did that movie, I was crazy green. You know, I was someone that was just happy to be on set and, you know, walking around and being around all these experienced actors. And, um, and it's one of those things, man. Yeah, they all got nominated. I've never gone for that. I would love to have an opportunity for a role like that to, right. to be nominated. But I'm just, to be honest, I'm just happy to still be here and still be kicking, you know? Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Don't miss the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun. Set in feudal Japan, Shogun tells the story of one warrior in the fight of his life as a mysterious European ship arrives in Japan. Catch FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. The Veil is a globetrotting game of truth and lies between two women with thousands of lives hanging in the battle. And crime fans, don't miss the all-new series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and is waiting for you on Hulu. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Don't miss the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun. Set in feudal Japan, Shogun tells the story of one warrior in the fight of his life as a mysterious European ship arrives in Japan. Catch FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. The Veil is a globetrotting game of truth and lies between two women with thousands of lives hanging in the battle. And crime fans, don't miss the all-new series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and is waiting for you on Hulu. Are you, I mean, you think about your first role and it's a movie like that. Now, obviously at the time, you don't know it's going to be a movie like that. Right. How does that make you feel now to know that, man, I did that? I haven't, I, I can say I haven't really reflected on it that way. Okay. Um, you know, I just, when, when people, like, when you ask me about the movie, the things that I think about, like, I'll never forget, when I think about how green I was, because I never had a mentor anybody in this industry. As a matter right. of fact, you know, we talk about an Oscar, I literally... After I did Boys in the Hood, it was one of the biggest movies, you know, out. Right. I literally went from that to a sitcom. And back then, you didn't do that. Back then, it was either you were either in movies or on television show. But that's how much guidance I didn't have. I wish I had somebody. But I think back, there was a, <laughs> this is how green I was. My agent called me. The movie was, uh, was performing well. I mean, the movie was finished. And... He said, hey, your movie's going to go to the Cannes Film Festival. I was like, Cannes? I said, well, how come they're not going to release it here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how green I was at the time, you know? Um, and not knowing that that was, you know, it was a, it was a great response over there. And, and that was a, a catapult globally for the film. You mentioned that back then, you know, you, you, would, you, know, you did the movie and then you did a sitcom. Do yeah. you regret doing the sitcom or would, do you wish you had just stuck with movies? Why, why, why did you bring that up? 
Uh, because it was, it was a, when I look back, like I said, I've never really had a mentor in the industry. Like I had an agent at that time to, um, an agent at that time who just wanted me just to do another job. Right. right? So when I talk about that, obviously if I had to go back and do things all over again, there's a lot of things I would do differently. Um, but I always like to bring that up because a lot of times people come up to me, uh, especially, especially in LA, I'm at the gym working out or playing ball. Hey man, you know, I want to get put on what I have to do. I was like, all right, man. So I always say like, you know, at that time, I wish I would have been, I never really, I, I was in acting classes, but I wasn't really acting. I was just kind of just going for the money. Right. So I wish I would have studied more. And then when my agent pushed me towards that. So I have the experience in the industry to where when people come up to me, I can give them some pretty good guidance because I've been around for a minute. Right. And so you could give them sound advice that you didn't get when you were coming up. Without a doubt. And, and without a doubt. And I always like to go back to those things to tell them, hey, this is what I went through. But, you know, most of the time it falls on deaf ears because a lot of people who come to L.A., they kind of just they want to get discovered on the street corner or they want to, you know, they want to just go to the party and, you know, get discovered at a party. And it, it doesn't work like that. That that's only in the movies that they're not going to be in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So let me ask you this: If I were to say, "Okay, Mo, give me your your top five hood classic movies of all time, whether wow. you've been in them or not," your top five. Top five. Okay. All right. So I'm a little biased with Boys in the Hood, but okay. Uh, I'll go back to. I don't know. You may be too young, too too young for this, but Cooley High. Was, I, was I remember Cooley High. Cooley High was a classic. Okay. Um, you know what? I have to say, uh, one of my favorites uh, was Dead Presidents. You know. Yes. The yes. News Brothers, they put it down with Dead Presidents. Yep. Uh, man, love New Jack. Love New Jack City. Right. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Friday was was is always going to be up there. Yes. You know, so I would have to. Is that four or five? How many is that? That's five. That's fine. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. It's yeah. hard because you leave you leave house party out. Oh, yeah. Like you said, we, I go back. I go back to penitentiary. Oh right, right. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right, right. It is, it is hard, you know. And, it, and I think think the thing is that I think it's the, the the thing that that most affects people. Like like when I look back, you know, in in, in Cooley High, I really felt emotion just as watching that movie. Um, you know, house party. I mean, Friday was funny. I love house party too. You know, maybe right. to dance, but you know, I really, I really enjoyed thinking back. Dead presidents. Uh, Lorenz Tate's a friend of yeah. mine. performance, and Alan and, and, and the Hughes brothers. I mean, they they put together a, a really good piece. And Chris Tucker in that movie was, you know, he had a dramatic side to that movie. Right. Which was cool. so there were a lot, a lot of nice elements to that movie. Do is there? Do you do you wish there was a movie that there could have been a sequel to? that you did in your career? Uh, let me see. I wish that, I, you know, I do, even though I wouldn't have been in it, I wish it would have been a sequel to Boys in the Hood. Okay. Been, you know, or a prequel, let's do a prequel. Uh, right. Yeah, I think, I think Boys, I wish Boys, we could have done, a, we could have done a sequel. Uh, we did a sequel to The Best Man, which was cool. And we, yes. you know, we, we may be doing something there again soon. Okay. That franchise. Um, but yeah, that, that would be it. What what do you remember about your first audition? 
my first audition since, okay, so that's a tough one. So what happened when I was starting out, uh, they used to have this thing called the drama log. It would come okay. out every every Thursday. You get in there, you find out, you know, who's, you know, who's looking for you, submit your picture. So I would send my picture out. So I had auditions for student films. I had auditions for films that never even made it. Um, as a matter of fact, you mentioned penitentiary. One of the films that I, one of my first big auditions was for penitentiary. And one of my <laughs> other first big auditions, yeah, it was an open call for 227. Okay. So, uh, not penitentiary, it, was, it, was, it wasn't penitentiary. It was, I think it was penitentiary two. Two. I forgot the, I forgot the, uh, the director. I think it was the same director. So that's, <clears throat> so is there a role that you turned down that you that you wish you hadn't or there's a role that man man i wish i'd have got an opportunity to play that oh yeah there's there's always those but there was i can I, and i can say this there was a role that uh there was a role that i had an audition for and i'll tell you what it was in a minute but at the time after boys in the hood came out obviously you know cuba and i we had some attention i was very green i had a long way to go in my development as an actor Cuba was already there. Cuba has always been on point. Right. And so, uh, so we get auditioned for a lot of, lot, of, lot of the same roles. And so, like even for Boys in the Hood, everyone, when they first came in, they read for the lead character and then they placed me as Ricky. Right. Um, but uh, there was a role, Cuba did it in Jerry Maguire that he got nominated for. It was a football player and yeah. it was fun. And I thought, I was like, man, I, I really worked on that script. I really worked on it. It was a Tom Cruise movie. I really worked on the script. And I went in there and I, I thought, I thought I did a really good job in that reading, right? Yeah. When I saw the movie, I didn't have a chance because it was just, Cuba just knocked it out the park. Right. You know, with his choices, uh, his choices, he was just incredible. So. You know, that happens, that, that's happened a couple of times, actually, to where, you know, if I read for something and, because uh, sometimes, you know, that's the one thing that I've learned and I try to tell young actors because, you know, you have these roles to where you figure it's going to be like a life-changing, game-changing right. role, and then you don't get it. But the thing about this industry is as long as you work hard and you do the work, what's for you is for you, you know? What's for you is for you, and then nobody's going to be able to take that away. Jerry Maguire wasn't for me, you know, right. that was for Cuba. When I mentioned you worked alongside Omar Epps, Tay Diggs, Jamie Foxx, Terrence Howard, Kevin Hart, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Of those guys, who brings out the best Morris Chestnut on camera? Wow. Wow. That is, uh, that is a tough one. I would have to say, uh, this, this is a true story. So, the one name, one name you didn't mention was Anthony Anderson from Black. Oh yeah, Nation. okay, yeah. So Anthony, I worked with Anthony Anderson on a show. Now Anthony is hard working with comedians, and Anthony's not a comedian. Anthony's a really funny actor, very talented actor who can be funny. Right. Uh, Kevin can be funny, and they kind of go on these riffs. Right. I'll never forget. I was doing a movie with Anthony, and the studio exec, uh, he came down. He didn't always come to the set, but he came down this day. And we were doing the scene in the movie, Two Can Play That Game. And Anthony was doing his thing, you know? And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. And I thought I was doing my thing. You know, they said, cut, they're gonna do my coverage. The, the studio executive pulled me to the side and says, you know what? Uh, he, he, he's killing you in the scene. 
And Anthony is killing you in the scene. I was like, what? And uh, and right then and there, so I got up and it was one of the best scenes in the movie. So Anthony brings out a lot. You know what? I can say this, though. I did work with Robert De Niro. Okay. Right? Working with Robert De Niro was something that I always wanted to do. I wouldn't have done this movie unless it was, unless it was with Robert De Niro. Okay. And, um, and that was the one time out of all the people I've worked with, uh, uh, The Rock, Demi Moore, uh, John Travolta, he was the he was the he was the only person that I've ever worked with that I'm literally like sitting in a scene. I'm like, and I'm like, man, that's that's Robert De Niro. You know, <laughs> you know right. that was the only time ever that I've ever been starstruck with with, with De Niro. As I mentioned in the uh, read-in, you, your, your career spans 30 years, 90s, 2010. Here we are in 2020. Mm -hmm. What era does Morris Chestnut says, okay, that's the best era? In terms of uh, my stuff or just terms of just the industry period? Yeah, your, you, your stuff. For me, it was the, it was the, it was the 2000s. Okay. Two thousand. That was that was a that was a good time because I think the best man came out in like ninety nine, mm -hmm. and then uh, I had a I had a I had a pretty good run in the two thousands. You know, couple took a couple chances on a few things didn't work, and then actually you know so then for the two thousands it was good, and then we kind of hit DVDs went down. Right. Netflix came up, DVDs went down, and they kind of stopped making certain movies. Right. Um, they weren't getting the DVD rev revenue. But I would say 2000s. Of all the movies you've done, all of them from 90s to here we are today, uh, what's your favorite movie? Wow. Now, that's a tough one because whenever, whenever someone asks me about a movie, I know the person's asking me about the movie that they saw. Right. But when I think about the movies, I think about my experience on set. Okay. Um, because it's really hard for me to watch a movie over and over and over again. And it's, it's really hard for me to watch anything with myself because I'm always cringing, worrying about the choices that I made. So I'm never relaxed. Right. So I always relate it back to the experiences. And I would say, um, I would say The Best Man was one of my favorite uh, experiences ever. I mean, the movies are all kind of like my kids. I, right. I love everything about all of them because it's a part of me. It's a part of my experience in the industry. Um, but the best man, I had the best experience. Do you ever watch a movie with yourself and it's like, I should have done that different. I should have. Oh, <laughs> there's not, there is not, that's why I can't do it. It's, it's really hard. There's not, there's not one thing that I've ever done I said, okay, cool. I mean, let me drop the mic. Not one, not one. Even when, you know, I, I cringe when I watch some of the stuff now because of the choices that I've made. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's you know, like I say, it's just I'm just fortunate. It's just a blessing to to you know to to uh, to, to haven't been able to do this for such a long time. All right, I'm gonna name some of your movies, and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Story. Okay. Higher learning. All right, learning. John Singleton, Omar Epps, Ice Cube. I, I like that movie because we got to work, we actually worked with a track coach. Okay. And one of the things that I love just about being an actor is because we always get to work with technical advisors for whatever we're doing. Right. And um, and I got a couple of workouts from him at that time. So I, 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 remember, I remember working with the track coach, the rehearsals. 
the Ernest Green story. Ooh, wow, wow. Oh, you want to take me back there, huh? The Ernest Green story. Interestingly enough, the Ernest Green story, um, I had a great time in, in Arkansas, but I go back, Eric Lanaville, who directed that movie, was at the start of my career, and I've done some real estate stuff. What I remember most about that movie, I'd say it's always about the experience outside of the movie or the right. show, is Eric Lanaville at that time, uh, he said, listen, you know, you're just starting your career. Um, he says, buy yourself a duplex, live in one half of the duplex, rent out the other duplex. You'll always have a place to stay. So I just remember his uh, his sage real estate advice on the show. <laughs> uh, two can play that game. <laughs> two can play that game. Uh, Anthony Anderson and I had a, had, a, had a really good time on that movie, just laughing and having fun with Anthony. Anthony, that was my... That was my first time working with Anthony, and I knew right up in the, at the very beginning of the rehearsals that this man will say anything. You know, there's nothing that will embarrass him that he can say about me, himself, or anybody. So uh, I, I enjoy working with him, and I love working with Viv. I mean, at that time, Vivica and I had done a, a, a television show mm -hmm. together prior to that movie, and so when we came together there, she was just, uh, she's an incredible actress, actually. Mm -hmm. Think like a man. Think like a man. <laughs> think like a man. Now that experience was, uh, I just think about Taraj. So Taraj and I had worked together prior to that movie mm -hmm. and just playing that role opposite her. Um, the one thing that I, is Taraji Henson. I mean, she is one, she is one of the, and I know everybody knows this, but the finest actresses that I've ever worked with. Um, I, matter of fact, when she, she was in Not Easily Broken, she played my wife. And at the time, she I think she had done Baby Boy, and I forgot what the other film that she had mm -hmm. done was that everybody knew her from. And I said, listen, I want you to, you know, I you know, brought her in after to play my wife in this movie because I knew that she had such a high level. So I really, I really appreciate, even just in that short time in that movie, all of her talent. What about Girls Trip? That's one of my favorite movies, too, Girls Trip. <laughs> Girls Trip. You know, so uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish, she is she that's is, her breakout role that's her breakout roles i've worked with tiffany i did a stage play with tiffany and uh in the stage play it was one of the touring plays that i did with her her character was she killed it every single night she has some stuff in the bag that nobody's seen yet and when she breaks it out it's it's it's, it's gonna be something do you feel you've played a role that maybe you should have gotten nominated for an oscar or are you waiting for that role? Um, let me see. I I can say this. Nah, I can say that I've had some. I, I can't really say nominate for an Oscar. I mean, I I think that I've had some. I I played a role, and I won't say what it is because I want people coming at me. But I think I played a role to where I've exhibited a range of a range of emotion, and um, I think it should have gotten recognized as something, but. Again, it's not really, I've never really, my goal has never been to get nominated because that's always something that, you know, as an actor. That's objective. That, that's out of your control. It's out of my control. So my thing is I just want to just keep doing what I'm doing. Whatever job I get, do it to the best of my ability and keep it moving. Uh, who's on your Mount Rushmore of black actors? Mount Rushmore. Well, one person who is just, I mean, he can take the whole 
the whole the whole piece. <laughs> and that's uh, that's Denzel. 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 <laughs> it's hands down. And so what people don't realize, what people don't realize about Denzel is for a for him to do what he's done for so long. So long. Matter of yeah. fact, uh, it, it's 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 incredible. But what's the most challenging thing as an actor? Most actors at his level, they either get the critical acclaim or they get the box office acclaim, right? right. Denzel Washington movies, they're either making $100 million or they get nominated every time they do something. Denzel does both. His films go past $100 million all the time and he's always getting nominated and he's done it for 30 plus years, yeah. you know? I'll never forget Denzel, did a, he did a movie because my mother was a, a, an educator in uh, Los, uh, South Central Los Angeles. Um, and he did a, a movie of the week, uh, a George McKenna story about her high school. And I was, in, I was in high school at that time. So he's been doing, being a leading man for a long time. That's why it always kind of bothered me when, when people, not bother me, but people always say, ah, oh, he's just Denzel. He's just being Denzel. First of all, people don't understand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People don't understand the challenge of, of being in front of a camera. They right. think, oh, they can just go in front of the camera and be themselves. They don't, because they don't see the 30 million crew people around you. They don't see the technical aspect of it. Right. And uh, Denzel makes great choices. He's always entertaining to watch. So Denzel is up. Denzel, is a, he's it. Yeah, because Denzel convinced you that he's actually the person, the character that he's playing. He, 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 his mannerisms was Malcolm X. His mannerisms yep. were was Hurricane. His yep. mannerisms are such that you're like, damn, he really that dude? But no, 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 he's just pretending to be. Right. And to, to, you said, to your point, to being subjective, I'll never forget. So uh, when Training Day came out, yes, I was, man, I was like, ooh, Denzel, he did it again. I, I would always, back then, I would always run home and get online to see what people were saying about the movie. Right. And I literally, with training day, I would, I ran home, got online, and people were trying to knock his performance. And, and ultimately, obviously, of course, he won the Academy Award for it. But it's just, like you say, it's just so subjective. You can't please, you, know, you can't please people. Right. Yes. Um, speaking of, if you could give any advice to any up and coming young black actors, right. what would your advice be? My advice would be something that I wish I would have done a long time ago. But so the thing about acting, and I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of people come. I've seen a lot of people go. Um, I've seen, you know, people get their shot. And I've seen people not get their shot. What I truly believe in my heart of hearts, and I, I, I just truly believe this, and I tell them, when they come up to me they're in, in the gym or wherever, I said, are you in an acting class? Because the one thing that I've seen is when you're good and you and you, you focus on your craft, you're going to get a shot. Right. You are going to get a shot. It may be next week. It may be next year. It may be in the next five years. But you're gonna you're gonna get your shot. You look at somebody. You know who I think is I also think is talented. Um, it's just Elba. Have you seen mm, Luther? Yes. He smashed Luther, but he was around in the wire. You know, he really didn't get his breakout role. He did the wire, didn't get his breakout role till later. He's a supreme, supremely talented, talented actor. So, you know, as long as you're good, just keep focusing on your craft and keep your eye on the main thing. Speaking of legacy, uh, how do you think Chadwick Boseman 
we lost a, a, a great a great one a couple of months ago. What do you think his legacy will be? How do you think he will be remembered? I think he will be remembered from uh, from Black Panther. I mean, he pl he's played a lot of legends. Um, I, I personally believe. Talk about nominated. Have you seen? Did you see him in James Brown? I did. He was I, unbelievable. How, how did he not get nominated for James Brown? You know, Jackie Robinson story. He was unbelievable in the Jackie Robinson story. In the Jackie Robinson story. So you know, um, I think Black Panther and James Brown for me, those are my signature movies for him. I, to be honest with you, the the the, the sad part about it. Uh, you know, uh, and I don't want to say selfishly, but just as an admirer of his work, mm -hmm. I still think he had a lot, a lot, a lot yes. ahead of him, you know, and I would have loved to have seen whatever he had upcoming. You you know what? You play a lot of athletes, and you, you know, I look at Boys in the Hood, the best uh, man, all of the game uh, playing. Uh, what is it? What is it? I mean, obviously, you have the physique. You can pull it off because, Pete, you seem like believe Some guys are like, man, it couldn't be no football player. It couldn't be no athlete. But you pull it off. Do you get? Do you really enjoy playing those roles? I do. I do. I do because, you know, I, you know, I wanted to be an athlete, you know, when I was coming up. And, you know, um, and I, that's – and the thing about it also is, you know, you, you somewhat get typecast. I mean, that's how people see me. You know, that's how the uh, – the powers that be see me as an athlete. And and I don't mind that, you know, because people always come up to me, you you get tired of being typecast, you get tired of, tired of that, you get tired of people calling you Ricky. And the answer is no, because... I don't get tired of cashing them checks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, go, if you go to work, if you go to work every day for 25 years, do you get tired of going to work? No, I, get, I don't get tired of making this money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, and, you know, when I, I, I never forget when I first started out mm -hmm. and I was always, man, if I could just do something that people will recognize me for so I can get my next job, if I could just do something that people will see. Right. And I've never forgotten that. When, so how long does it take you to get, I mean, obviously you talk about your workout, you hoop. Yeah. How long does it take you to get in shape or are they like, okay, I'm good. You just keep doing what you're doing. Does it really take you four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks to get in shape for a movie? It depends on, so, you know, I've seen your Instagram, I've seen your diet, I've seen your oatmeal and all that stuff. I, I've been checking you out, you know, and I do that, but I I, I have a, a bad, bad sweet tooth, right? right. And so, um, so I need, I just need to, I need a heads up before like the, the shirtless scenes. <laughs> I just need a heads up before those. Being in LA, born and raised in LA, yep. Lakers winning the championship. Yep. It's a uh, man. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, excuse me, it's, it's bittersweet. You know, because Kobe wasn't there. You right. Know, and I, you know, I, I literally saw Kobe two weeks before he passed. But uh, I'm glad we were able to do it for, for 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 Kobe. I'm glad we were able to do it again. You know, I know you're a big LeBron James fan, and I, and of yes. course, I'm glad we have LeBron, and and uh, hopefully we can get another one. Give me your top five Lakers all time. Since you know the Lakers, you've been in LA your whole life. So you yeah. you go you go way back. I go way back. Magic. I mean, Magic has to be. Uh, I love Kobe. I love Shaq. But that Magic, that Magic, those Showtime days. I yeah. mean, just the 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 energy. We had energy with Kobe and Shaq, and even with Kobe with Gasol. But it was nothing like the Showtime energy and right. uh, what Magic was doing. And Magic playing center. And, and so I'd have to say my top three. You said top three. Top five. Top five, 
Yeah. Magic, uh, uh, recency bias with, with, with Kobe and Shaq. Okay. And I put uh, Kareem, of course. Okay. And, uh, and Worthy. That's not a bad list. I mean, anytime you leave off Chamberlain, uh, 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 the, the logo, Jerry West, well, but see, that, that was before. Listen, I never used to. I never used to watch basketball until right. until really Magic and Showtime got me interested in basketball. I've always loved football. So right. going back to, to Jerry West and Chamberlain and cats that I've never seen play live. Because this is the thing for me: it's something about seeing somebody playing live yes. in that moment. Right. You know, we can go back and look at the tapes, but it's not going to be the same with the game on the line. Down by one, you need right. a bucket with that emotion there. So that's that's the only reason why I left off Chamberlain and uh, the logo. There's nothing wrong with that. So rappers, you you like you like music? Yeah. Give me your top. Give me your top rappers. So okay, so I'm a little I'm a little biased. I think the uh, the best lyricist is Ice Cube. I mean, okay. people got to go back and 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 look at some listen to, look at Cube's lyrics. He was writing for NWA, and uh, so I like, you know, Cube, of course, Pac, Biggie, uh, and, 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 and Jay. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of cats out there that are doing it, though. You know, uh, you know I'll, say, I'll say another one that, you know, he had one album that was my favorite, my favorite, I should say, tape. My favorite cassette tape was G DJ Quick for a long time. Right. So DJ Quick was a local boy. Are you surprised? I mean... Actors want to be want to be athletes. Athletes right. want to be rappers. Rappers want to be entertainers. Right. What's the, what's the appeal? What's the crossover appeal? That's interesting. I think it's. Uh, I think part of it. I think to do what I do, to do what you've done. You know, you need to have that ambition. That ambition right. first and foremost. And when you're ambitious, I think that you just look at opportunities. You know, and if you and if you have if you have something that you feel is secure, you're looking for the next opportunity. Right. You know, you always want what you can't have, you know. So uh, I feel it's just, just ambitious people who uh, who, who want to search for more opportunities. A 30, I'm going to wrap it up with this one. Uh -huh. A 30-year movie career, a 15-year NFL, NBA career, or, <laughs> or, or a 20-year music career. If you had Ooh. to do I'm talking to a 18-year-old Morris Chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what's crazy is an 18-year-old Morris Chestnut, I would have I would have wanted to be a, a football player over everything. Because 18, <laughs> I wouldn't think about no acting. I wouldn't even think about anything. I wouldn't want to be – then that, that would have been the shortest career, <laughs> career of all. Because <laughs> you said, hold on, I'm 33. I can get into acting now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. But at 18, you're not realizing that. You're not right. thinking that way. You know what you want, and you're going after what you want, you know? Bruh, Mo, I really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for stopping uh, by. You. I appreciate and, it, man. And we're going to be watching you. Thank you, man. Let me just plug, can I just plug? Uh, Go ahead, uh, plug it. At, at, at GFC Life on Instagram and um, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, for uh, Facebook for the for the podcast, the resident comes out January sixth, and uh, and uh, yeah, check out Spell. We're gonna be watching you, bro. Thank you, appreciate you. Man. Thank you, man. Thank you, appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good one. All my life.
Grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, look, all my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.